0: You are listening to the Art of Living Well podcast with Father Ian van Houston. Welcome back to the Art of Living Well Podcast. This is the 21st Sunday in ordinary time the uh, liturgy live with Father Ian and Alana Berg as they discuss the Sunday readings. Enjoy.
1: Sunday in ordinary time. My name is Alana Berg, and with me, as always, is Father Ian Van Huesen. How are you doing, Father?
0: you well. good to see everybody. Glad to glad to see you again, Alana. Um, another week, another day, another dollar. Um, yeah. So the uh, what was it? We just had Welcome Week last week. Um, the, so a the little bit of a reprieve this week, but not a whole lot. Um, numbers are down. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Numbers are down across the country, but they're not as bad as they are other places. So we're grateful for that. Um, but definitely, um, definitely lots of work to be done and I'm sure that'll come up in our conversation, but let's uh, let's bounce into the readings. Uh, so go ahead. What's the first reading. The
1: First reading is from Isaiah. It says, Thus says the Lord to Shemna master of the palace. I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim son of Hilkiah I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority he shall be father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's sh- shoulder when he open what he when he opens no one shall shut and when he shuts no one shall open I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. Okay. So yeah. this
0: so is a pretty basic concept, right? So it's a prophecy of doom against a leader of Israel. Um, pretty basic and straightforward, but it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's just this idea that um, the, the idea of authority coming from God, but also that um, the sense of even in our own time, you know, do we see God's hand at work in our world and in our politics? Are we open to how the Holy spirit is working? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And also um, this is a foreshadowing and a, and a understanding of how God's kingdom is, how he prefers his kingdom to be ruled, you know, and through the keys of the kingdom. Um, So I think that's an important thing to say too. foreshadowing for, also for the gospel that we're, we're going to,
0: talk. About. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think what, what uh, some other ideas that we could flesh out with this. So there's, there's this idea that um, God's favor. Well, you know, I was talking about it before. I was like, let's not talk about predestination, but, but let me actually go back to that. Cause I think this is, it is tied is the sense of God's plan. Um, I, I don't want to get into the intricacies of St. Thomas and Augustine on predestination, but I will say just very simply, this idea of that God has a plan, that there's a plan that's unfolding in history. Um, and, and yet we still mysteriously have free will. But what I, I recently, last week, I had this realization, I was praying on Sunday and Saturday. Um, we have a youth event coming up. We have a bunch of things coming up. And I started to realize I was talking with our team and talking with everybody I work with. I said, you know, we're doing what we're called to do. We're doing the best with what we have. And yes, the numbers are down. And yes, we're not getting the response that we would like, um, but we have to trust that this is what we're called to do. Um, and that's, I think, because sometimes with people, it's, we have this view, I, 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 it all depends on the situation, but, and there's some people who, who, who will lean on this idea of God's plan and God's providence and be like, well, I don't have to do anything and sit back. Those people are fewer and far in between, um, but there is definitely people who are very anxious when things don't produce the fruit they want when they want. We're, we we do want to look for fruitfulness, but we also want to rest in. We we need to we need to know when we should be restless and when we should rest. I think that's a theme I've talked about a lot, right? Because I think we've we've talked about this before, right? So it's nine o'clock at night or it's 10 o'clock at night, and you're winding down for the night, you should learn to let go of things. And that is to trust in God um, when it's late at night. Um, And when you're trying to rest, you're trying to let go of the day, and you're trying to process things and and let go of things. At 9am in the morning, it's probably good to say, I need to work my butt off, I need to do everything I'm called to do, and I need to persevere. But we often do the reverse, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I definitely think that that's kind of a human nature like, well, I'm supposed to be working, but I don't want to be and then I'm not supposed to be working. So now I want (laughs) (laughs) want to be it's a little bit complex.
0: And now I'm anxious about
1: right. Also, there's a place where I feel like personally. I need to be careful about right now is like when you're trying to be patient that you can come become complacent. Mm-hmm. in, in what you're trying to do because you're like, well, I'm waiting. You know what I mean? But like what to do when you're trying to be patient is kind of a space for discernment too, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. So. yeah. They, we might need to flesh that out a little bit. Cause I mean, I understood the concepts a little bit, but is it that you have a decision that needs to be made or that you.
1: No, I feel like this is just a time f- that I'm called to be patient, but yeah. also. I'm not exactly sure like what I should be focusing on in that patience. Does that make sense in terms of, there's just a lot going on. Like what do we do with ministry and, and working with the diocese and also like homeschooling. So I, a lot of my focus has been homeschooling more so than, than ministry. So, but also I don't want to become like, well, it'll happen when it happens, but then not be prepared, you know? Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where I am. Right well, now. what
0: I would tell somebody in your shoes is think about that first thing in the morning and pray about that first thing in the morning. And then maybe after 5 or 6 p.m. in the evening, let go of it as much as possible until until the next day. Right. Like, I mean, that's that's one of the strategies I've learned to do. And then give yourself time when you're not thinking about it at all, that you've actively fight against it, particularly on Sunday. Mm, that know, makes sense, Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the big thing is, is like, um, I, I, I got in that habit when I was in seminary. Oh, move my camera. <laughs> the cord is kind of by my feet and I moved my feet. And- oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, so, um, I got in the habit when I was in seminary that I wouldn't do any work and I wouldn't think about, and I wouldn't study on Sunday. And I would just dedicate myself to just praying. Um, of course I didn't have a family or anything. So I was able to give myself completely to prayer and I did find it was very refreshing is what what I, what I found was is you would fight against the tendency to want to think about things here and now. And you'd say, I'm not going to think about this until tomorrow morning, like, or something like that. Cause I don't know right now. Do you, do you, do you limit when you think about things or do you find yourself thinking about it like in the evening or.
1: I have a problem where I'm like listening to something and then I'm like, Oh, and then I'll think about it then. So I need to like, write it down because i'll forget i need to like write it down like think about this later so then i can keep being engaged in what i'm
0: yeah currently doing. I, I did do that for years um but now to be honest with you i find that there's so much going on that i i try to fight against that um i try to push push against it and like just be like forget about it and if if i don't remember it it's not important Because, I mean, don't you all, I mean, Ignatius gets into this. Don't you feel like sometimes that you have the most clarity right before you go to bed? Like, and you, and I really think a lot of times. Oh,
1: I need to write that down. But it's like midnight.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And um, St. Ignatius felt that it was the demonic activity. That was the work of the demons. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, of course, all the provocations. I mean, that's what the devil tries to do. He tries to get you to think about the right thing at the wrong time. Or the wrong thing at the right time. No. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. The spiritual life is such a tightrope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, then, and then is, is that's the whole watchfulness. I've I've just been reading the Philokalia. Mondays, I do a commentary um, on a text for the homily, just because I like to break it up a little bit um, and do a little formation Monday. And uh, today, I was talking about the Philokalia and that, that gets into that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think this is. I mean, why? So the question is what was the point of this prophecy for the community, which was to understand God's plan, which actually interestingly enough, God's plan in the midst of corruption too. So, I mean, the, there will be vindication and that corruption is not forever. And God has, God allows corruption for greater good. All those, those dynamics, the like, cause you, you get a sense. Sometimes people do fall into despair. Like, God must not be all powerful. God doesn't have control over this.
1: I think think that that's a huge problem right now in the church. I also think that a really good point to draw out of this is how much authority that God gives humans,
0: mm -hmm.
1: you know, in his name, because Mm -hmm. that's what he's just saying. I will take the authority from you and give it to somebody else. And he will have like, whatever he binds is bound and whatever he loses loose. Right. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of authority that, as humans were not very comfortable with accepting even yeah. today in the church. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I think that's a particular characteristic of Americans. I think um, back in the day, I think that they were quite the, the idea of a hierarchy and authority is, um, but it's weird. Like I've talked about a lot. We, we don't like the idea of hierarchy with certain things, but other things we completely accept hierarchies, right? So the idea that a CEO would get paid a lot makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But the idea that an athlete would get paid a lot doesn't necessarily like, like, you know, cause, but it's, it's so clear with sports. Like, you know, Michael Jordan is a dominant player, right? I mean, it's just obvious, mm-hmm. but it's hard to, the, the hard to understand hierarchy in other regards. Cause I, I've realized over the years, you, you see those silly things where they are like a CEO's job is no different than a line worker in a factory. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're talking about.
1: Well, and I don't think that people know what leaders do. They think yeah. leadership is is a relaxing reward for working <laughs> hard. <laughs> and that, I mean, I've literally been reading books where it's like, if that's what you think this is, don't get into it. You're going to fail. You know, <laughs> like if you want, le- if you think leadership is about the reward of working hard so you don't have to anymore, like, that is wrong. Yeah. That is misconception. That is some sort of demonic lie where like you work hard to get to this spot and then you don't have to work anymore and they'll just pay you a lot of money. That's not how this works.
0: You think people believe that? That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. There's
1: a whole, there's a whole book right here. It's called the motive all about what is your motive to be a leader?
0: Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I found, well, I guess, I guess if you're at a big corporation, you can be kind of dead weight and not move the organization in a positive way um, as a, as middle management or as a, as a, as a a manager.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. But leadership is
1: also just a different type of work than the people that they lead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say this, I mean, doing like all this creative work and stuff like working with Tim and stuff, I've generally found I, I, there's that saying that you rise one step, one step ahead of your competency I never understood what that meant until recently, which is you're able to lead one level above your competency, which is you have to know how to do the things of the people underneath you. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't understand how they do their jobs, it's going to be very hard for you to be able to do your job and direct them. Right. Uh, And a lot of times, you almost have to be able to do it as good or better, or at least know how to do it as good or better.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. You 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 don't have to know how to do it as good or better. But you have to, because like, for example, right now, um, with a lot of the media stuff we do, it, we've gotten, I think we've gotten a lot better because the past two years, the past year, I've really started to understand what can be done and what can't be done. And I can ask Tim about what can be done and what can't be done. Whereas mm-hmm. if I was just sitting back and just saying, Tim, do whatever, I, th- there's a lot of things that we've done that I, it's not that I did them, obviously, but I kind of pushed us in that direction. Right. And I said, Tim, I want you to, I want us to be able to do this. I want to be able to do this.
1: Right. And so it's not necessarily that you can do it. It's that you understand the complexities of the job and how to aid them and, and guide them to where they're supposed to go and, and give them what they need in their own positions.
0: Exactly. Which reminds me, I forgot to go live on TikTok. Oh my goodness. Let me pull it up. Hold up. Give me two seconds. Okay. Uh,
1: well, I will check the chat. We have Prasad says, amen. And some people have tagged other people to come into the live stream. So thank you guys cool. for that. Um, we do comments live. So join the chat with us. Um, and I really think that uh, we can move on to second reading. You ready? It's-
0: Absolutely. Let's go. It's short. Yeah. It's so funny. Talking about Tim reminded me that I, I'm trying to go live on TikTok now. <laughs> while we're going. So it's right here. It's the camera is right next to the other one. So we'll see if anybody joins us on TikTok. All right. It you haven't seen gonna the you? Yeah. It's just going to be me for now. I, okay. I, we're, we're learning some new stuff, but but yeah, go ahead. Next Speaking
1: year. of leadership and growing <laughs> <laughs> and and learning new things. Okay. From Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how inscrutable are his judgment and how unsearchable his ways for who has known the mind of the lord for who has been his counselor or who has given the lord anything that he may be repaid for him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever amen absolutely like such a, it's just like we could just sit in with that <laughs>
0: it's
1: like do we even need to talk about it cuz it's just like so awesome just like sit and think about that
0: but well that's and that's the idea right i mean that's part of what is the this kind of meditation it's to enter into the rest of the lord right that's the 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 constant importance um is to enter into the rest of the lord that's what we're striving after um which i i've realized that is we don't know often know how to rest right we we know how to work We don't know when to rest. That's what we were talking about before. We don't know how to rest. um, And that's a big part of maturing, right? Here's an interesting dynamic I found. I was just meditating on this recently. When I was like in college and when I was a a kid, um, if I just slept a lot, I would feel very refreshed and I'd feel like more energized to do things. Whereas now I'm at the point where it's like, I, I can't sleep away my problems like I could at one point. Does that make sense? Yes. yes <laughs> do you remember like a, a magical point in your life when you could sleep away your problems?
1: Um, hmm. Yes, but I feel like I could do that now, but I don't want to fall into that because yeah. it's like pandemic and we've been here. I mean, our essential work is at our house with yeah. our kids um, and online ministry. So, it's easy to be like i'm kind of tired just go take a nap
0: yeah but i even find right now that naps like naps don't necessarily help they like throw things off more like it's like you have to learn i mean actually there was there was a thing on caleb about this recently talk about like the different kinds of tired and the kind of tired i'm now as i get older is i actually have to like spend more time like engaging my body. I have to like go for walks more. Like that's the beauty of having my dog. It's really helped with my stress. It's like, I'm just like engaging my body more and I'm like more physical, yeah. you know, petting the dog, walking the dog, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I agree with that. And, and the motivation to do that is less than when you're <laughs> younger. So it's like, you need that more, but yeah. you also don't want to do that. As much that's why you're like the dog helps because i have forced to do that
0: <laughs> it's part of the reason why i got the dog yeah. it was forced me to take breaks and forced me to pull away mm-hmm. and forced me to not like work all the time
1: yeah, yeah. so i definitely understand that um yeah. and and really going back to the reading i also think in within you know thinking about the culture and what we're going through right now is that also reminding us that like, we don't actually know God's plan
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like to like speak for the Lord and, and judgment on others is, is we need to be careful. I think is, is reminding us to be humble in our perceptions of others in in the faith yes. and outside the faith.
0: Can you read a line that reminds you of that just because uh, I kind of was listening, but I was also on TikTok, So.
1: Okay. Um, the beginning. Oh, the depths of the written of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how inscrutable are his judgment and how unsearchable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor.
0: Yeah, that's Yeah, exactly. Well, and here's the thing is, is like the constant reflection that I think that St. Paul gets at in Romans is everything you have that is good. All your gifts, all of your talents, are a gift from the Lord. Like, give thanks that you've been given them, but recognize you could have been dealt a different set of skills. Right? You could yes. have been dealt a different hand. Right. You have to be careful of how people are playing their hand. I mean, think of it like a card game. Some people they got a full house on the first, the beginning of the 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 the, the hand. Some people they don't really have as good of a hand, and they have to play it differently. Um, right.
1: And also, yes. I know we don't. Ha- it isn't necessary to look at th- through the lens of the first reading, but if we think of them in the same way, as like, yeah, there's also the authority that we have to be, you know, like think about, like how, like the mind of the Lord put this authority in, and mm-hmm. we need to like th- contemplate what that means, right? And how, what, where are we, and how are we supposed to respond to that, you know? And we we know that. God, Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom, right? So there's some, there's authority that's been established that we have to be reminded of because we forget. And and we want to look at something and say, well, I don't like that. So that might be, must be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of my heart is wrong, then, then we need to like really pray about that. Absolutely. And I think that's happening. I I say that because I see that happening in our Mm -hmm. culture.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. Um switching gears a little bit, just a quick question for folks on TikTok. Can you hear Alana? If you're if you're following me on TikTok, you guys over here on uh TikTok. If you can hear Alana, just let me know that you can hear her. I'm not sure. I gotta test it out. So I'm not sure how much they can hear you. We're gonna work on the audio for TikTok, but yeah. Um, all right. But well, we're dude, we're already on the gospel. I I feel like this is gonna be a short week this week. <laughs> we're
1: just like I don't know. Zooming through and there's no, there's no more comments. So anybody else who wants to hang out and comment with us, um, let us know. And all right. From the gospel of Matthew, Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others, Elijah, Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Absolutely. So there's multiple different ways that things that we can focus on here.
0: Um, have, you ever, have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why? I think this is tied with the reading. Have you ever wondered why we don't have miracles like they had in the early the the gospels and the scriptures? Have you ever thought about that? Like I think why? we do. Uh, well, I mean, like Just, not in Greenville so much. I mean,
1: well, I mean, like I'm thinking of like Our Lady of Fatima, like the yeah. the the sun, the dancing sun. You know what I mean? Like there has been so. Yeah, there are, maybe not. Yeah. In, not in the. Not in as much as we hear about them in in the Gospels and Acts of the Apostles.
0: Yeah. Um, well, even then, we don't know how common it was. Right, we only hear a few, so we right. don't know how common it was overall. Yeah. Cool. Well, I was thinking about your that. Screen is,
1: your screen is frozen. Oh,
0: yep. It's that time of day. Yeah. Right. So um, so the the thing I often think about with that is um, well, it just occurred to me we're continuing with this theme of predestination and the sense that God has a plan. God knew in a certain regard when he chose Peter, that he was going to bestow these miracles upon him. Right. He had foreknowledge of this. He, it was a part of the plan that Peter would shine a certain way. Now, Peter had to cooperate. He still had his free will, but everything God did in his life and Jesus did in his life was to prepare him and to be really patient with that. Like each one is given different gifts and don't ask why you don't have somebody else's gift, right? So why don't I have the gift of Peter? Well, because you're not Peter, and God has prepared you for a mission in a different way. And all of our missions give glory to God, right? So Amen. yeah, Peter was he was prepared to be the founder of the church, to be the rock. That's what we heard. And and by the way, if you if you don't know anything, it's often said that this is the one passage of scripture that the church has a definitive reading that this is the establishment of the Petrine office of Peter and, and God prepared him for all eternity to be the first Pope. He chose him and he chose him not because he earned it. Right. But yeah.
1: And he, and he knew that, that Peter would fall. and need to be redeemed again. And the thing about the thing that one of the things that I heard that I really love is that, God could have chosen John who was the more perfect loved disciple, right? The yeah. one that did not leave him
0: mm-hmm. during
1: his hour of, of mercy, right? And And he could have chosen John to lead the church. Mm-hmm. But he chose Peter because Peter would know and understand what it meant to be forgiven in the way that he was. Absolutely. You know, like, so there was that beginning mercy there was that understanding in the Petrine office of even those who are the closest and called to lead will fall and need to be redeemed you know and that's just that understanding of human nature and sin that even if you are the closest to christ in leadership that you are still able to make like make these horrible choices life choices right yeah but still be redeemed and lead the church towards, towards God's glory. And I think that that idea is not thought about today at all.
0: That's at the essence of what humility is, right? Right. In recognizing your capacity for evil, your capacity for weakness, mm-hmm. those, those types of things. Um, That's the key, right? Yeah. And
1: also the our, as, as a lay person, like, understanding the cap- the capacity for for leadership to fail but also that they deserve that they need to be redeemed too
0: and they right? need to be held accountable. Yes. And if you're in a and if you're in a situation and um if you're in a work situation that you that leaders cannot acknowledge their faults unless I mean I mean I'm not saying blanket statement across the board but generally speaking you probably should avoid those kind of leaders that if, if they if they can never admit their mistakes and they never, whatever, probably not the kind of people you want to work with or for, right?
1: Yeah. But yeah. but if they don't recognize this kind of a petrine principle of also in themselves needing to be redeemed over and over, you know, like being forgiven mm-hmm. over and over and over again, like all of us, and then we don't treat them like, because sometimes I feel like there is a tendency in the laity to treat people who are in the clergy like they're irredeemable if they've done something bad mm-hmm. right i it's a balance like that type tight, tightrope that we need to walk that that we're all redeemable but we all need to recognize the need for justice and mm-hmm. the need for mercy right like and and work on that i i don't know how to do that but i don't want to lose that
0: yeah. does that make sense actually you'd like, be surprised how easy it is as a priest because there is something about priesthood that um like I can't be fired, right? Like um, I can't be voted out of office. I can't be fired. But I have found it's almost like a watershed moment um, with the students and with anybody when they come to me and and they get kind of ugly and they kind of get in my face. Because um, that, that happens quite, not all the time, but it happens like once every few months. And normally what I found is that as a leader is that if you can kind of absorb it and be patient with it and, you know, address it, listen to it, but not like it's sucked into it. Like don't defend yourself, things like that. And normally almost always, I think builds trust with few exceptions. I've always found that people trust me more after that. They never say that they change their mind. They never, whatever. Um, but they, they always, it feels like they trust me more after it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Yep. That's a good example. I also, and I'm also in my mind thinking more of like the bishops in our country that there's such a division and a clash
0: well, uh, I, no, I think the biggest problem—the biggest problem—is, um, and this is, I think, the bishop's own fault a little bit. Where I think they should do a better job on social media is the only voices you hear on a regular basis are church militant, Dr. Taylor Marshall, um, Bishop Barron, Arch, uh, Cardinal uh, Cardinal Vigano, or Archbishop Vigano, and they're talking about things that have nothing to do with the majority of our diocese. Right. Like I was just having a conversation online with somebody and, and I actually, I am quite critical of the overall big picture things, what's going on. I'm not happy with it myself, but people were like, you know, we shouldn't give to the BAA, the Bishop's annual appeal. And we're going to, because it supports abortion, it supports this, this and the other thing. And I'm like, no, it really doesn't support any of those things. Like, I mean, you you could say the USCCB, giving money to the USCCB, maybe. Um, but in terms of the Diocese of Raleigh, a majority of your money, it goes to things that are not that dramatic, right? Like my bookkeeper is at the diocese. She has a salary. That's like what money goes to. It's not it's not that weird and mysterious. It's not like, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Just like, you know, making sure the lights are on, you know, things like that.
1: Yeah, and calling um, for the starving of, of those funds calls also... For, uh, for people to lose their jobs in, in they're already usually underpaid in the church anyways. So it's like, it's a really difficult uh, conundrum sometimes to be in because you want to make a difference with your pocket pocketbook, but also sometimes you don't know what that difference is.
0: I think end. this is where the example of the saints comes in there. There's nothing to be gained from trying to be like an American protester. I mean, I love our country, but that's just not how the church works. I
1: mean, I
0: I said to somebody, I said, the last thing that'll go is the bishop's salary and his home and his food, like, and his retreat and his vacations. Like he's going to get those every year. Like they'll cut everything else first.
1: That's exactly (laughs) what happens when you defund the military, which we've been dealt with the last 10 years is the people that hurts, hurts the most is the families of the militaries.
0: Yeah. That's so they, they figure out what they can, they can, they figure out what they can cut. Yeah. Right. And then right. they're not going to cut the general salary. They're not going to cut the, they're the, not
1: going to cut the wartime funding. They're going to cut the programs and the healthcare and everything for the people the that are the families. Right. So it's, it really does affect people in ways that you don't think about. Cause you're like, this is bad. We needed to fund it. Like, okay, but how will that actually be implemented? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's you out of your control
0: you could always make the case for like with on a government level for leaner and meaner and like yeah. wasteful spending and things like that. But, of but yeah, but exactly. And even on Dawson level, you can sometimes make those distinctions, but overall though, I would not say it's an effective strategy to, uh, I mean, okay. I, I think activism,
1: it, activism for the sake of activism is not a virtue.
0: Yeah. Why not? I just, I also think that like, possibly if it could actually change something like like defunding like uh cutting back on your donations to the bishop or to a parish could have an effect i think it could but the reality is is in my diocese the things that people were complaining about I'm like that's really not i mean i, I as much as there's things in, that happened in the past four months in my diocese that i'm very upset about they outside of the bishop trying to push the priest more which would be very unlikely any diocese, It's just not generally how things operate. And that could be a whole nother conversation, but that's just generally how things operate. Um, Everything that is being done that the Bishop has control over is moving the diocese in a positive direction. Like, but, um, but people tend to think in terms of national politics. So like our Bishop doesn't wear fiddlebacks, and he doesn't wear lace. So any, you know, he, he doesn't wear an Amos or whatever. So people are like, well, he must be more liberal. He's with Archbishop Gregory out of Washington, stuff like that. It's like, that stuff has nothing to do with the diocese of Raleigh, like zero, like, you know, um,
1: and, and to base everything you believe about that person on those details is extremely dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's just getting, I feel like getting to know people and, and really, and like you said, sometimes it is, the bishops who don't put themselves out there to be known, you yeah. know, into which I would I would away. I would
0: say across the board. I, I think they way under communicate. I think I agree with this. Yeah. I think um I mean like what we're doing right now, this would, would I mean a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment, you know, and bam you're ready to go and you can talk every week about what's going on. And you can interact with people. Like um it's not that hard. But yeah.
1: But, but when you only hear from the hyper sides of things, then it becomes difficult to then work your way through that. So now it's gotten to the point where it's like, now they have to sort through all of that versus already being out there and in, in communication. Yeah.
0: Right. And I, and I really do think uh, like, I think one of the, the biggest traps for Catholics and for Christians is focusing too much on national politics. Um, I think it would be much more effective focusing on local politics and trying to affect things locally um so instead of trying to understand like see everything in the diocese of raleigh through the rel- lens of national politics try to understand the local politics of the diocese of raleigh and figure out where you can have an effect like um because there there are concrete ways i don't want to get into it o- online but there are concrete ways that if parishioners were slightly organized and if people who want to see a change, they could, they could, they could gently push. They could gently try to motivate. They could gently try to inspire, and they could have a big impact locally. But if you're coming at it from a Republican versus Democrat, Trump versus Biden dichotomy, it's not like that's not how local politics work. Um, yeah, and I learned that through the crisis. Actually, that's one thing that came out of the the, the pandemic for me is to focus on local politics more. Yeah.
1: yeah. And okay. So we have, we have a question. Yeah, um, sure. Susan Coyle says, hi, father Ian and Alana, Do you think that most people hold the clergy to a higher standard than themselves?
0: Um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind being held to a higher standard personally. I think actually it's pretty good. I think, um, I think, I think sometimes people don't understand what authentic holiness is. So that's one challenge. Because um, I found two things that most people tend to view, depending on their political persuasion. There are two views of holiness that most people have that I find very problematic. The first is obvious enough that we've encountered enough and it's been criticized enough, which is the nice guy. But if you're just as nice as possible, you're holy. Okay. A little bit. Yes. I mean, nice being nice is not a bad thing. Being polite is a, generally a good thing. Um, but sometimes you have to like challenge people. You have to be a little negative. You have to have a little fight in you. You have to have a little conflict in you, right? The other extreme, this is more your traditionalists and conservatives, is that you gotta tell it like it is, you gotta kind of almost be kind of angry a little bit, like. The fired up, angry, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and we're all gonna, everybody's gonna burn if they don't get with the program, kind of thing, right? And I, I mean, don't you think that's what generally it breaks down that way? People either fall into one of those two camps. Um, does that make sense?
1: That does make sense. My answer is, I do think that most people hold the clergy higher to a higher standard in general. Yeah. Even people who say that they don't believe in the church and don't follow the church are scandalized when priests do things that are scandalous because yeah. of what you represent, because yeah. they even, they recognize what you represent. Yeah. Right. So it's like, that's a, that's a standard that of course can only be acquired through grace and yeah. through, through submission of will and self-sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but but i I really think that people believe more than they recognize because of that and that's what i've seen through the other scandals that that people really do believe that you should represent you know what i mean that you should live this way even if they don't believe in the church they have a people outside the church have the same standard Mm -hmm. right because you represent you represent you're you're supposed to represent in the person of christ so that's what the standard across the board is yeah. in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 have held myself and priests before to high standards that, that they, what, what they should be striving for. Right. Um, and I generally, I, I believe a principle as a leader and as a priest is whatever you ask your people to do, you should do twice the amount of what you ask other people to do, which is a general principle. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah,
1: we're all called to holiness. Yeah. So it's like the standard is different because it's like, is you do have a visual difference with, with,
0: yeah. Well, I would say it's like compared to athletic compared to athletics and we should all exercise, but not all of us are marathon runners. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That doesn't mean that like we shouldn't go out for a mile run or whatever. And that it's, you know, and that's where I've often felt that religious do fall flat is um, and people sense this and people um, um, just got some text messages. Um, people, people sense when they, they, they get disappointed when they sense that a priest is not a man of prayer. And that's, that's where I would challenge all priests is to be men of prayer primarily. That's really where a lot of it gets worked out. Prayer, spiritual direction. Um, and and kind of feeding yourself and nourishing yourself constantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also for lay people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but not not as uh, not to the same degree. Just because we have more free time. It's a weird paradox. As priests, we work longer hours than most people, but we also have more free time than most people because we don't have families. Right. Yeah.
1: As yeah, people want to change that, but.
0: For I mean, I mean, I mean. well, the, the thing is, I mean, I, okay. So this is actually a good topic to talk about married priests. I, lo- I love this topic. Cause when you start to break it down for people, they're always like, Oh, that I never thought of that. Of, of course. I, I don't think married priests are a good idea. Okay. Imagine if your family, imagine if your husband only had two weekends off a year or maybe four weekends, that is every weekend you have to be at your house and he's working five to six hours every Sunday. And then there's events going on every week. Like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, kid has, you know, your kids in traveling sports and sorry, dad can't go. They have games on Saturday or Friday, you know? And, And then there's also the investment in prayer life and spiritual life, which is that a married man commits significantly less amount of time to prayer than a priest does. I mean, if a priest is being true to his vocation.
1: And also coming from a a lay woman who's worked for priests. Like there's just no time. They have, you either sacrifice yourself for the church or you sacrifice yourself for your wife. And I know that there are priests that are married. You know, the Anglican married priests that come in. That is a seriously hard vocation, right? That the wife also has to have vocation to. Yeah. Right. It's not just the priest then it's the priest and his wife and their children.
0: And the only time I see that it really works is they become a Catholic priest later in life. Like when the kids are, but I've heard, I've heard there, there's a married priest of our diocese that people got really upset with him because he missed first communions because his grandson had an event or like there was something in his family for his grandson and the parishioners were upset because he like didn't, wasn't there for their first communions. Yeah. I it's,
1: I mean, it is a conflict of interest Yeah. in many different forms. You know what I mean? Like parishioners are needy yeah. with your time, you know, more needy than a wife because there's many of them. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So I don't know how wives would feel about their husbands spending so much one-on-one time with women. Cause that's another thing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind I mean, of, it's, it's a difficult situation and yeah. It's not about, it's not about power and about, you know what I mean? Some people make the, these things into being about like power and not letting people do things, but sometimes there are reasons that tradition is the way it is,
0: oh, you know? Well, I mean, Paul talks about this, right? The man, this, the, the married man is, is concerned with his family where the unmarried man is busy with the things of the Lord.
1: Yep. Yeah. And both things are good. Yeah. You know, it's like not one thing is good and and the other thing is not good. Both things are good and in service of the Lord to bring about His glory.
0: Absolutely, we have but to Ameri- think about it that way. Americans don't like Americans don't like um, being told what they can and can't do. Though that's a kind of we, do, <laughs> we, we we like to say I can do whatever I want. Like we tell our kids that, right? You can do anything you want, um,
1: but and it should be given to you.
0: Should we give into? to? No. But I think yep. we're 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 I think we're running out of steam a little bit. That's
1: right
0: I think yep. we're good to we're gonna end early, I think, this week.
1: That's
0: okay. All uh, right, uh, do we have any comments or anything?
1: No, nope, we're at, we're good.
0: Okay, cool. Um well let's uh let's close with a prayer and blessing. And Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh heavenly Father, we ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this, help them to know your love and to move with the promptings of your grace. And we ask you to bless all who will watch or follow in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All
1: right. Have a great week, everybody.
0: Yep. Hold up one second. All right.